welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. How are you today, Joseph? Doing well, man. Doing real well. Why? You know, it's a good day. It's just a... I'm trying to think of why I'm actually doing well. Mm -hmm. I feel great. I think it's the cup of coffee I had earlier today. Where'd you get it? I want very good coffee. Where'd you get it from? I don't want to throw this place under the bus. (laughs) (laughs) They had the Lord's chicken and everything. Your wife? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, It's the place that has the Lord's chicken. Ah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not that evil-ass, creepy Satan (laughs) chicken at the other place. (laughs) Yeah, their coffee is terrible, so... Um, today we are talking about why Christians always evangelize to people with noticeable problems instead of just normal, regular people. Yep, that's what we're going to be talking about. And that is a question that I had, and then I wrote a bunch of more questions about it, and um, we're going to answer those today. Great. First off, go to Patreon $5. Click all the buttons around the things, like, subscribe, share, download, rumble button, comment. Um, Okay, so my first question is, why do Christians only go after broken people? And, like, what are your thoughts on this? And do you think that this is a problem or a thing that occurs or whatever? All right, so when you say broken people, how are you defining broken people? Okay, so... If I notice that you're in a wheelchair, I can be like, hey, uh, you seem to be having issues. Have you heard about Jesus and our healing service? You could walk again next week, maybe, if Jesus cares enough. Okay. So come to our thing. So broken people or or people with extremely, like, like, uh, like rehab outreach. Like we know these people aren't having a good time. So we're going to go tell them about Jesus. Yeah, sure. And so that's what I mean. Okay. So, all right. So that's how you're defining them. Okay. So and you're saying that the, your experience is that the church or Christians only target these kind of people. They put special emphasis on these types okay. of people. And, I don't know, like 75, 25, that's who they're talking to about Jesus. Right. Because it's obvious. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and I don't necessarily disagree with the assessment. Okay. From Especially if you're on the outside looking in to what a church is doing on an outreach or like event level type thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when... When churches are organizing outreaches or organizing um, social justice things or they're organizing um, food drives or whatever it may be, it's always geared toward, or let me rephrase it, it's mostly geared toward people that have physical needs of some kind, mm-hmm. right? Like they need food or they need clothing or they need shelter. And so... When churches are doing events that they're trying, they're, they're, they're 
intentionally reaching out to this demographic. So I don't disagree with that. Um, but in fairness, like they're not the only ones, right? Like there's nonprofits do this as well. Nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Provide but, food, provide shelter, provide clothing. But that could be the sole purpose of that nonprofit. Correct. Correct. Yeah. But I, the, I get it. the sole purpose of Christianity is for everyone. Yeah, but I, yeah, and I and I agree with that. But it actually but I agree the fact that it's for everyone, and we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Because I do think it's a problem if that's the only demographic that's being reached by a church. Okay. Okay. So I do think that's problematic. However, I actually think there's a precedent that's set biblically for the church reaching out to those who are in need. Okay. All right. And and so it actually starts with Jesus. I think actually Jesus set the precedent on this. Okay. And so when Jesus in Matthew 25, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and talking to his followers about what's going to to happen at the the end of the day, the end of the end of time, one of the things he does is he he brings up this this story where he talks about sheep and goats, and he's using it as an analogy between those that are following him, the sheep, those who are not following him, who he refers to as goats. And so... Why are sheep always the good ones and goats are the bad ones? You know, that's a good question. Because they both have their issues to some degree. Right. Um, yeah, I don't, that's, I'll ask Jesus why he was always... <laughs> Why well, he wants to be a shepherd of sheep and not of goats? Because because goats are often Satan for you, some reason. Yeah, you're right. They are. Yeah, they're depicted that way. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll have to think through that more. All right. Anyways, um, save it for another episode. <laughs> that's, that's what we always do. All right. So, <laughs> um, so in Matthew 25, Jesus says this. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And so for the ones that are labeled the sheep, what he's saying is when you cared for one of the least of these, when you cared for the one who was in need, it was as if you were doing it unto me. So there's the encouragement there to do these things. To, to feed those who are hungry, to clothe those who are naked, to give drink to those who are thirsty, to provide shelter for those that need shelter, like that, you know, to visit those who are in prison, to, you know, you can extrapolate that out, to visit those who are in rehab facilities, to all of these individuals that are in need, that are considered the least of these in society, Jesus actually says, take care of them. Well, naked people outreach, I'd actually get behind and come to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know the next time we do that. Okay. So, all right. Um, and so Jesus does this. And then actually 
from like point one of the early church forming. So when we see in Acts 2, early church forms, well, in Acts 2, 44 through 45, it talks about the fact that there was no one who was in need and that they all shared everything in common. So if you if you if you had a need, they were selling land, they were selling goods to give to you to or to get to give to the church, and the church was distributing to those who had need. Galatians 2:10, Paul actually says, they asked only that we would remember the poor, which I had made every effort to do. In James 1:27, James says, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself unstained from the world. So, again, there's obviously this precedent that Scripture establishes to care for the poor, to care for the needy, to care for the least of these, to care for the widow, to care for the orphan. Um, And so I think Scripture is actually the one that is pointing us in this direction. And I think from point one, there has been this intentionality to care for those who are in need in these ways. And so that's why you see, you know, the homeless ministries, you know, and you see the food ministries and clothing drives and all those kind of things. I think it's because it's that's kind of always been part of Christianity. Okay. Yeah. And so it's always been there. But do I think it's a problem if we're only targeting that demographic? Yes. And do I think it's a problem if we're doing that and we only view them through the lens of people who are in need? I okay. do. And I think probably this gets back to the, the maybe the core issue for me. It's the, the reason I have a problem if we're only targeting that demographic or the reason I've got a problem if we're targeting that demographic and maybe not exclusively, but we're, we are doing things for that demographic and we only see them as people who have need, I think we've missed the point too. And yes, Jesus wants us to care for those who are in need. That's, that's obvious, mm-hmm. yes. But there's a fundamental part in that, that regardless if you're lower class, middle class, you know, upper class, regardless if you have found yourself in a, in a horrible situation and now, you've, now you're in prison, and or maybe you've been widowed or orphaned, um, and and so yes, there's there's a there's a precedent there to care for those, but I think it's to in, to ensure that individuals know if they do have these types of needs that they're not forgotten, mm-hmm. they're not going to be looked over, okay, that they're still going to be valued in the. In, in the kingdom of God. They're still going to be valued as image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem is if we're if we're just leaving out a whole section of society that we're reaching because we can't just hit a physical need with them, I think what we're doing is we're not seeing the fact that everyone's being created in the image of God, and therefore everyone should be valued and loved and not forgotten, and everyone, therefore, should receive the gospel which is for everyone. And so, yeah, I do think it's problematic if it's only targeted to that group. I think it's problematic if we're only seeing individuals who are in need as just simply individuals who are in need. So missions trips are always to third world countries (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And they're always as deep into those third world countries where the 30th of worldest people are within that third world country. Uh-huh. Where the kids don't have clothes on and right. they're playing stick dirt all day. And, right. And the parents just are ha- hanging around and doing food getting and right. stuff and they all live in mud. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> why is that 99% of missions trips instead of going to Canada? <laughs> right. All right. So historically, you're correct. All okay. right. So historically, the historical context is that when modern missions began in like the 1700s, there was this push to reach those who did not know Christ. Well, for in a lot of places, that meant going to, to countries that were outside of Europe, outside of America. And so, yes, they were reaching, you know, these third world countries because America and Europe were already predominantly Christian or Catholic. And so as the Industrial Revolution hit, it created a further chasm between Europe and America and everybody else. And so now these countries are are definitely, you know, quote-unquote third world in the sense that they're behind the times in relation to the modernization of society that's going on in America and Europe. And so missionaries are being sent out from America and Europe to these third world countries and really with the purpose of bringing the gospel to them, okay? And so that was the purpose of this modern mission movement that was going beyond, because there had been, all right, maybe I'm getting something I don't need to get into, but there had been this mixing of like, establishing the church and and colonization okay and what modern missions was attempting to do was going there was and I call it modern missions was going in there purely as an evangel evangelistic um, motive okay so it's going there purely as an evangelistic motive with the intent to share the gospel with people who have not heard the gospel and so it's not connected at all with colonization okay all right and so they're going in and they're reaching people and so that that was the context you know many mission agencies actually developed a ministry for caring for the physical needs as a means to help people, you know, so for example, we're going to provide people with clean water, Mm -hmm. provide people with access to food. Okay. Teach people how to actually, um, farm. Okay. So they can have their own food. And then in the, in the midst of reaching people and helping them on a physical level and a humanitarian aid type level, there's also reaching them with the gospel. Um, I think, However, the forcing of American or European culture should have never coincided with the sharing of the gospel. Okay. And so I think what's, what happened was 
yes, they were not connected to any form of colonization. So that was a positive, but they still were wanting to bring in the culture of America or of Europe into these areas, believing that our culture was actually better. Okay. And, and you understand some things they're doing again, because we're going to help you have cleaner water. We're going to help you, you know, do some things to where we'll actually cut down on diseases that can be prevented. Mm -hmm. Right. So some things were actually a positive thing, but to say, all right, well now you got to dress a certain way. Right. That's not, that was not necessary or you have to behave a certain way, act a certain way in the sense of mannerisms or the sense of the way one carries themselves. No, that's, that should have not been forced on these unreached people groups. Okay. okay. Um, and so, so even today, so that's kind of the historical setting, but even today, you're right. Most groups, mission teams are going to work with people that have a physical need in some form or fashion. All right. So I'm doing a mission trip here to Central America in a, a few months, and we're going down there and providing medical care and providing construction. Western medical care? Um, with We will be working with doctors on the ground from that country um, in Central America. So we will actually be providing more of and the Western care, quote unquote, would be all right. We're gonna we're gonna check for blood sugar levels. We're gonna check blood pressure. You know all those kind of things. Colonizer. Uh, <laughs> no, terrible. And uh, but we're working with doctors who specifically have an understanding of parasites in a way that even our doctors don't understand because they're not dealing with people with parasites all the time. Right. Where down there they are. Mm -hmm. And so but what we're doing is we're working, we're bringing a medical team in to these areas that do not have regular accessibility to medical care. And so just these small things and being able to provide medicines mm -hmm. for people who actually are diabetic or who have who are struggling with headaches or whatever it may be. We're struggling with with backaches because they're hurting because they've been farming their whole life. You know, like helping people the best we can with the medicines that are available to us for them. And if they have parasites to help them here, here's actually medicine to get rid of those parasites to actually make you feel better, you know, not have all these GI issues. And so, um, so it's a, it's, it's a collaboration of us going in, working with a ministry that's based out of this um, country in Central America and using doctors and other individuals from this country as well. And so it's kind of a collaborative uh, thing we're doing. And, and so, and the construction part we're doing is we'll be working with them as well, the construction side. And so it won't just be us building something for them. It'd be us building something with them. We're just helping to provide them the means for it, but it's for the, for the building, but it's so that they can actually create a bakery which in turn can become profitable for them and people in the in the in the village can actually begin to have a skill set, make money, and it can be beneficial for the community as well. Um, and so yeah, so so I'm <laughs> so I'm going into the country and we're providing things on a physical level. And literally setting up shop. <laughs> 
Yes, we're literally setting up shop. And so we're doing these things. And you're trying to get them fat at the same time. (laughs) As American as possible. (laughs) Hey, man. Bread's bread, brother. Bread ain't bad, you know. So this is called confectionery sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, and so we uh, and so we're going down there, and so yeah, we're doing these types of things, but then we're also working in these villages and sharing the gospel. And it's not like we're doing like a one-off kind of thing. We're working with a, or the ministry that's there constantly. Okay. So it's not like we're just showing up for one week. See you later. Right. We're, we're showing up and we're part of a, a continual program that's going on down there within these villages. And so, and I've been going and doing trips like this to this specific country for about a decade. And I mean, and the results have been incredible. Um, you know, one of the things we did in one trip, we actually, they used to, in one of the villages, well, let me rephrase that, in all the villages, they would actually cook inside their homes um, and they would cook over an open fire. Mm-hmm. And so smoke would fill the house. And they had all of these lung issues and, and asthma and everything else. And what we did was we showed them again with locals from the area, from with the indigenous working with them and showing them how to build echo or eco stoves okay. and where it pumps the smoke out of the house. So there's no, it's not smoke filling the house. And then all of a sudden in these villages we were doing this in, you see lung issues decrease, asthma decrease. And so it actually becomes beneficial for them. Um, so there's those kind of things that are being done that are helpful, but I don't view them as individuals that just need our help. Because if I did that, then I'm really dehumanizing them and I'm treating them only as a cause that I need to get behind so that I can help them out. And are you the majority or the minority in the way that I view that? Yes. That's a good question. Okay. Um, that's a fair question. Uh, if you if you read resources like um, when helping hurts, I think that they would say in that resource, for example, the authors would say that I would be in the minority. Okay, and that most are going to do these types of things for people, not with them. And they're viewing the people as just individuals who have needs. Because that's what it feels like to me and why I wanted to do this topic. Gotcha. That's my impression of the... Yeah. So regardless, so you're saying it from regardless if it's here in in our own backyard or if it's in a third world country. Right. That well, tends to be the Regardless of mind, whether you're going to a, a rehab or a third world country. Right. It doesn't matter what. It, the, the idea of... Only going after broken people is that's the mindset people have behind it. Yeah, and I think it's because we feel like we can help them in some ways, you right. know. And some of that comes from a good place, but again, if we're only viewing them as people we can help, what happens when they actually get the help? And I don't now, know. And, <laughs> right, and, and I think a lot of people don't know. Right, right. We get them. Okay, what happens if they actually get well? What happens if they actually don't have an addiction anymore? Do we know what to do with them then? Or are they just them? Like, are they just those people that got over an addiction? Right. Or are they, or as, or are they as they should be, 
part of the family of the local church. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm wanting to, I'm want, I, I do want to serve in our community. Like our church is doing a local missions day to serve our community here in about a month. And I think that's awesome, but I don't view the people that we're going to help serve as just needy people. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that need to know they're valued. There are people that need to know they're loved. There are people that need to know they're cared about. And that would be the case regardless if they were, you know, um, in need of physical resources or not. Because every individual should be valued as image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. And when we lose sight of that, I think is when things become problematic and where we can just, oh, and I think it can even be a little bit of look at us. Like we feel good about ourselves. We help some people. That's what Facebook's for. <laughs> Show all the people we've helped. And, and I think when we do that, and yes, look it can. this guy. Isn't like, he ugly <laughs> and very can't walk? I told him about Jesus. Right. I'm a, yeah. I'm a superstar. Right. And I do think there is something rewarding about caring for people and helping to fill, fulfill needs. But I would hope the most rewarding thing would be that I got to interact with an image bearer of God. Okay. And not reduce them down to a social, a socially like economic state or... Um, a quote-unquote brokenness state um, because, as you and I both know... I was struggling to come up with a blanket term for this type of thing. Yeah. So I just picked broken. Yeah. I, and I think it's a fair term. I think, in the sense of, I think it's fair in the sense I think a lot of people would use it and understand what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. But I, I, I do think that, and that maybe is the mindset that people think of the church as, well, the church is just going to go after the, the quote unquote broken. Mm-hmm. And, and I, again, I think when we do that, we're selling ourselves so short of what Christ's desire for all of this was. Like when we read that passage in Matthew, it wasn't just that he would, that we would do good things. He was, he said, if you do these things, it's as if you're doing it unto me. Mm-hmm. So in other words, what he's telling people is, look at this. Like when you're doing this to, the, to that person, see me in them. See that that's my creation. And see my image in them. And I think that's the part that gets lost in our desire to, to quote unquote, help people. Okay, so my main thing about this topic mm-hmm. is that the act of only going after broken people okay to recruit them to your cause okay christianity uh-huh feels very culty okay like hey come with us and we'll make your legs grow back and you know you you will won't be you know your your family will love you again and and you won't want to do drugs anymore or on missions trips like like look at all these first world amazing things that we can do if you come with us and join our cause you can also have microwaves and <laughs> also have microwaves and so it feels like it feels like a a cult like recruitment 
method okay. and style or whatever mm. to only go after people that are looking to actively improve themselves. Okay. And so then you get them, and then they end up tied up in a basement somewhere <laughs> oh, a year God. later. And so, but that's like the the view of, to me, uh-huh. and I, I'm pr- pretty sure it's a cliche, but okay. that's like the view of of this type of thing. Okay. Like, look at them only going after, you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's because those, those people believe anything for a cheeseburger, <laughs> and you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I... Like, I, that's a simple way to put it, but... Right. But, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I get you, and and I see where you're coming from. Like, I've never thought of it that way, I guess, but yeah, I mean, I see where you're coming from, mm. um, where it can seem that way. Of course, you know, a, a couple of things that are just that are different about this. You okay. know, one compared to that. Okay, so in other words, like we're, that's not culty, as oh, you okay. phrase it. Okay, right. so one thing is that unlike a cult, one of the things that we're doing is that we are telling the truth and speaking the truth and there's doesn't have to be lies or manipulation to bring people in. And, okay. and I do think that the cult part, one of the things you're talking about, I think there's maybe like a sense of manipulation, mm-hmm. like I will manipulate people to come to the church, manipulate people to come and be quote unquote Christian if I offer these services for them, you know, and that's kind of like manipulating them a bit. Right. right? And, and so I do, like, I, I do see that perspective, but the other part is, you know, in a cult, there's, there's these, there's these secrets. And even, even a bit of the motivation of recruit people in is, is just to, we, we want to get more people, right to the cult but there's these secrets that are embedded within the cult and mm-hmm. you never know fully all that's going on and what's happening and i would hope that in churches that's not the case i would hope there's not a bunch of just secret stuff going on mm-hmm. right that everything is transparent and out in the open and you know and, and christianity's been around for so long that there really shouldn't be i mean there shouldn't be like any secret per se to to a lot of people, and I'm talking about, and now I'm talking about more of like in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's no secret that as a Christian, I want you, who is you know, you being the the, the kind of metaphorical you non Christian person, mm-hmm. I want the non Christian person to become a Christian. Not so that my number can be bigger in our church. Not so that I can say, look at who I just led to Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. But because I genuinely believe that the only way they're made whole is if they know Christ. I genuinely believe that not only about wholeness, but about their creative intent, they were actually created to know him. So therefore, I want them to know him. And and so, but I, I also think that if we're if we're only giving this message to to the demographic that you're referring to as quote unquote broken mm-hmm. i i agree that it it will come across very culty okay because if we're only reaching those that are emotionally needy physically needy mm-hmm. mentally needy if that's becomes the only demographic we're reaching um it i could see where that would 
seem pretty cult-like and seem pretty manipulative and seem like, you know, we're just going we're 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 going to try to grab hold of the individual we believe is in the quote unquote weakest position right now or weakest state to join our group. Okay. And but if the message is extended and offered to all people of all walks of life, regardless of income or race or education, then I think that we're actually doing it the right way. Okay. If if we're offering it and I and I acknowledge that the church must be better about this. I think the church must be better about reaching all people with the message. And then also the church must be better about the the why, the why that's behind our caring for those who are in need. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so I, I um, I'll tell just a personal story. Um, so there's a young guy that I was um, at their graduation this year. And, you know, I first met him when he was in middle school. Mm. And uh, I was leading a group that was ministering in a low-income area. And and one of the things that I started really, that was gripping me was the fact that we were doing these, like, after-school type programs. But there were these... Um, boys that were getting older and getting to middle school and into high school. And I felt like they needed something more than just the after school program. Mm-hmm. Cause it was one going to hold their attention forever. Right. And so me and another gentleman began to meet with them. And we, what we do, we go on a Friday morning, pick all the, the boys up that were middle school, high school age, take them out, have breakfast and then drop them off at their schools. They, we go to, and we did that for we've done that for years. And um, one of the boys just graduated um, this this year, and it's just I just couldn't be more proud of him, you know. But I didn't I didn't begin to invest in this young man's life, you know, six years ago for me to gain something out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was still going to be mentoring him six years later mm-hmm. as he's graduating high school. But that's the way it's played out. And the and the motive is not that I feel like I can, quote unquote, do better for him. The, the motive is, hey, yeah, there, there's 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 need in life and a sense of like having a positive mentor come alongside and walk beside him Um and and help him in this journey of of high school and everything else and but it was not for me to just feel like i was doing something good look at me right mm-hmm. and it wasn't cuz i really was like overwhelmed by his brokenness and i needed to quote unquote help him it was just man here's an opportunity to love and to serve and to care for a young man that's made of the image of God and may not realize how valuable he really is. And I want him to know how valuable he is. He's not forgotten. And so, so that's, that's important to me and what walking with him, but what's also been important to me is walking alongside other individuals and have a dialogue with them that come from a much more educated background and they're skeptics of Christianity and church and I'm spending time with them, not because they're quote unquote broken, but because they need cheese just as much as anyone else. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I think we've got to do a, uh, the church has, when I say we, the church, 
leadership of the church, we just need to do a better job of making sure we're we are reaching all demographics for the right reason. Are Christians afraid to evangelize to regular, normal people with all their parts and working parts and living in normal places? Like a dude with a dog and an apartment and a job? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Or, or so are you saying, are we afraid to like evangelize? Yeah. Are you afraid to, are Christians afraid to talk to people like that? Um, I, you know what? Well, I'll, I'll take this on a couple different levels. Okay. Um, I think people can be afraid to talk to strangers anyway, but then secondly, you said the whole Christian part in it, and maybe they're not even a stranger, but they're a neighbor, mm-hmm. right? And Or maybe they're a family member. Uh, I do believe that many Christians are actually afraid to share the gospel. But I, mean, but I like, don't think it even matters. I don't think the, I don't think that even the um, demographic matters. You don't? No. Okay. Here's what I think. I think that it's easier to show up to serve some food at a soup kitchen, to okay. show up to hand out some clothes on a clothing drive. Mm-hmm. I, I to show up and and build a wheelchair ramp for a lady who's in need of a wheelchair ramp. I think those things are easier than sharing the gospel for most people. Okay, so I so that's where I think it's not just about the demographic. I actually think it's about the confidence or the lack thereof that people have in sharing the gospel. Because mm-hmm. I honestly, Nate, I think if you ask most people to tell me, like if you just walk up to the, to, to the average Christian and say, can you share with me the gospel? I don't think they could do it. Right. We talked about that before. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think they just, they're just not equipped. Right. And as a leader, that's on me mm-hmm. and that's on the church. We've got to do a better job of equipping people to share the gospel so that regardless of the demographic, they can share the gospel regardless of where someone is on an educational level, they can share the gospel. And so, and, and then to make disciples. And so I think we're doing a lot of good things in our local and in our international missions as a church mm-hmm. and caring for people, providing for people, um, helping people. And by helping the most, I mean, the biggest things is, you know, in health terms um, and, and quality of life terms. But I think we desperately need to ensure that we're not failing in the actual one great commission that Jesus gave us. And that was to go and make disciples of all nations. And I'm not sure that the church is really equipped. The American church in particular is really equipped to share the gospel and make disciples. I think we're just found lacking in those areas. Okay, so we live near Atlanta, right? Sure. Okay, so if if any church around where we are said, hey, one group of people is going to go talk to homeless people up in Atlanta mm-hmm. about Jesus, mm-hmm. and another group of people is going to go to this music festival mm-hmm. and talk to people about Jesus outside that or any just normal outside something event. Okay. I think 
ninety percent of your people are going to go talk to homeless people. Okay. I, uh, yeah. Why would, is that? Yeah, and I would agree with that. Okay. And I, I think it's because they feel like with the homeless people, and this is just being honest, being okay. real honest here. I think it's because they believe that they don't have to have enough answers or enough knowledge, like a higher level of knowledge than what they have. And okay. So, in other words, that going to the homeless person so to they share think the homeless gospel people or are ignorant. stupid. Uh, yeah, I think they believe. I won't say they're necessarily stupid, but they may be ignorant of the gospel. Okay. Or they may be not as inclined to ask difficult questions in return. Okay. And I think that feels easier. But I think that's across the board. I think I think anyone feels more comfortable talking with someone they deem to be less educated. Okay. You know, I think I think, you know, um, I think that's just part of it. And unfortunately, it's a human flaw that we kind of set ourselves up as on a a position to go, well, we're more educated or we're more affluent than these individuals. Therefore, it becomes a little easier to talk to them because I don't know if they're necessarily talking to them as a person that's out there equal. Okay. They're talking, they feel they're talking down a little bit to them. Um, and and th- and that's and, and I hate that I'm saying that I hate that I'm admitting that, but I think that just is, that's just a human tendency. Okay. And so then I think it's extrapolated over into the church when you bring up the scenario you do, because it's most people are already afraid to share the gospel. They feel their knowledge of it is fairly low to begin with. So let me go talk to people that I feel like may not have the educational chops to be able to get into a debate with me on things. Okay. So let me talk with them. That'll be easier. I probably won't get as much resistance as I, as I would talking to other people who may just quickly out of, just out of hand, just disregard me. One, I don't want to be rejected. There's a fear of rejection in this Mm -hmm. as well. Not just the fear of talking to someone and looking stupid, but I think it's just fear of rejection. Homeless person's probably not going to reject me as much. They're probably going to welcome my conversation with them, even if it's about Jesus, where if I'm just going up to someone randomly in a music festival or concert, they may reject me just pretty quickly because mm-hmm. they don't want to, they don't, they're, they're, they're not there to listen to that music and hear you talk to them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So they're probably going to be a little more quick to just, just miss you, right? Like I know there's a lot of evangelizing that happens around um, sporting events okay. at stadiums. And I think the I think the you know I I think it's a really hard play for the church when they're trying to do it that way because you're trying to get people's attention about Jesus and now it's becoming a nuisance to them because they're not there to hear about right. Jesus they're they're there to watch their team play you know and or if you're at a music concert to hear the hear the music I mean. And so I think we set ourselves up almost a little bit for failure that way. But it also seems to be a little easier if I just go talk to the complete stranger mm-hmm. and be rejected by them. And so I think that is where the church has got to do a better job of equipping people with the gospel, teaching them how to make disciples so that we don't have to do outreach events for this to happen. Mm-hmm. But that it can happen in people's day-to-day lives. So when they walk out of the church on a Sunday morning, they feel equipped to go and share the gospel in their marketplace or in their neighborhood. 
Okay, so on top of being afraid to talk to people, do Christians feel like the message of what they're saying isn't good enough for people who aren't visibly having issues? Um, I don't know if they feel like the message is not good enough. I think they feel like they just they just will not be listened to. Okay. And so, be and, I, and I'll say in fairness, if you don't feel like there's a need in your life. Right. It's harder to, to say, yeah, you need Jesus. That's why we're doing this topic, because that's what we talked about last week. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough, right? I yeah. mean, like I, I mentioned last week, I think in the episode, you know, the story of me talking with a pastor in India. Yeah. You know, and he said, you've got it harder in America because they don't, there's no sense of need there. Yeah. And, and I think he's right. And I think that is a reality. Like, if I'm just... You know, if 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 my life is okay, mm-hmm. you know, um, and saying life is okay, by the way, I think is always a little dicey. I think regardless of financial security, life is difficult mm-hmm. um, enough for everybody because sickness doesn't play favorites, you know, um, and life circumstances happen regardless of your educational or economic status. Mm. So I think all of us have a sense of need, but I do think it's harder to reach people who believe that they can get through most of their needs by themselves. You know, like we'll just make it through it. Mm -hmm. Whether I'll have to work harder or I have, I already have the resources to overcome an illness, to overcome a sickness, you know, um, to deal with life, to I had the money to go pay for a counselor to help with trauma, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, so I do think when there is greater affluence, it is more difficult to hear and to receive the gospel. Um, but that's not like an American phenomenon. That's been the case since the time of Jesus. Jesus even said that it was more difficult for those who were rich to receive the message of the gospel and the message of the kingdom. That was the needle thing, right? Correct. Yeah, okay. And and so Jesus thought it was difficult. Yeah. And so if he thought it was difficult, you know, then at that point in that time, then I think the same has always held true. Well, and it feels like a challenge. What do you mean? Like it feels like a a wink wink statement. Like, yeah, it's pretty hard. Be- bet you can't. <laughs> so he's he, he's 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 appealing to the to to those disciples that have that, oh yeah, well, I'll show you. Yeah. I, I got you. Yeah. I can relate to that a little bit. <laughs> um yeah, I mean and I and I think that what you know, one thing you have to see is that it's not that they have Jesus was not saying that because they had money they were evil. Right. Or because they were rich, that they were evil. What he was saying was because they have money, it will make them less attuned to the fact that they actually need something beyond the temporal that they have that is, you know, quote unquote, kind of stabilizing their lives, okay. and bringing security to their lives. Mm-hmm. And so 
when I talk about eternal things and spiritual things, that's hard to receive for someone that feels fairly secure in their own temporal world. So, okay, what would you say to that person? Say to what person? What would you say, hey, I know you've got a lot of money and I don't have as much money as you. Sure. Because I'm a pastor that makes whatever in the middle of nowhere, nowhere. (laughs) Right. But uh, you should try this Jesus guy out that that helps me and do stuff because... Uh Because you were created by him. And everything that has seemingly gone okay and that you have or that you have worked for the, the lord actually like applauds your work ethic if you've you know if you've worked yeah but what are, what are the what could you tell them that they're missing just like everybody else who doesn't have jesus like even though they have all this stuff what are they right. missing they're i think for a lot of them they're they're missing the things that most of us miss peace okay they're missing joy not happiness, joy. Fruits of spirit. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what... I have literally had a millionaire sit in my car and cry and come to know Jesus. Because he lost all his money? <laughs> no, not because he lost all of his money. <laughs> that would be a reason to cry. <laughs> and um, But I think that all of us, regardless of how much money we have or don't have, we all were created for something more mm-hmm. than anything that this temporal world has to offer. And so even though we have a bunch of the stuff and we can fill our lives with happiness, there's always that drive for, I need a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. Or if I just do this, you know, I, I've heard this, I've heard this phrase growing up. And remember I grew up in a, at a pretty affluent, um, family and society. Mm. And so, uh, I, you know, it's always that, well, if I can just get this next project done, if I can get this, you know, in, in a few more weeks, once this is completed, then I'll be good. Mm. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll have peace. Then I'll have what I'm looking for. And I think that that's just an illusion. You know, you may gain temporal happiness because you bought something which is really cool and awesome. And yeah, it brings some happiness, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and so, um, you know, I, I, can, I can remember, you know, uh, a family member, bring, you know, pulling up in their brand new sports car that cost how many ever tens of thousands of dollars. That yeah, was cool, right? I mean, I'm not denying that. That's cool. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's going to be fun. But it doesn't bring this sense of peace and joy and and actually just love toward others and not being full of angst and it doesn't bring those things mm-hmm. um and I, and I genuinely think that's the that's the thing that we are all missing you know because most other even most other religions that's what they're setting uh, that's the pull right right if, if you do these things, you'll have a sense of Zen or you'll have a sense of peace. And that's, so I think to the core of the human, you know, emotions and the, and the way we're formed and made, we're longing for something like that. Mm-hmm. And we may not always be able to put it in words really well. And so maybe I can help people put that into words, but I think that's always what we're striving for. 
is I want peace. I want joy. I want, you know, but I think instead what we say is, well, if I get this temporal thing, I'll have peace. If I go to this temporal place, right, I'll have joy. I mean, how many of us go, man, if I can just get a vacation Mm -hmm. and you go on vacation and vacation's cool for the week, you wind down. You not you relax, and by the way, I'm not knocking vacations, right? I, I mm. mean, our family takes vacations, not knocking it. But what I'm saying is, if the goal of the vacation is to get some kind of long-lasting joy or peace, that's not real. Because as soon as you come back from vacation, you're just thrown into the fire again, right? And maybe it's even worse because you've been gone for a week, mm. and so. I think so many times we're we're reaching, pulling, trying to get something to bring peace and joy that's really an illusion. And that's so that's across the board, mm-hmm. regardless of socioeconomic or, you know, um, educational status. Church events and all the outreach stuff that we've talked about mm-hmm. are always for needy people. Not always, but. Yeah, for a lot, lot, they are. A whole lot of them are. So why don't you, like, host a debate me on anything night? Or, like... Yeah. You you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do stuff like that where people, you you know, where people can come... You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Where, Where people who aren't in need can... You know, but also need Jesus, you would say, can mm-hmm. come and do whatever and 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 have a reason to be here other than come to church on Sunday. Right. No, I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right. In other words, I think there needs to be things that are offered that are beyond just the church providing, you know, temporal needs for people or okay. meeting temporal needs for people. Um, there's a there's a church in in uh, Manhattan, and the pastor there who actually just passed away um, from pancreatic cancer. He Timothy Keller. Timothy Keller began um, hosting these Q and A sessions mm-hmm. at night, and he's he's very educated and was living in a you know in a in a in an environment that. A lot of educated people live in, and so he wanted to be able to provide a a platform and a place where individuals could come in and exactly what you're talking about, whether it's debate him or whether it was to do a Q&A with him and just ask questions on different, whether it be philosophical topics, spiritual topics, whatever it may be, and um, he and he did that. And the church grew crazy because of that. Now, again, that wasn't the only thing they did. They did care for all of, for for the for those who were in need. He, they did care for the widow and for the orphan. But he did pr- create an environment that allowed people to come in and to have these Q and As and have these discussions. And so, you know, I so I actually agree with you. I think churches need to do a better job of reaching individuals. As a church outreach, reach individuals that are coming from a different demographic than those that just need physical needs met. Okay. Yeah. But can I, then I also will say this. Okay? okay. I'm never always, I'm never all the way right while we do these podcasts. 
You're pretty right on this one, though. You're like, you're right, but we also try. <laughs> no, like I'm saying most churches don't try okay. at all. And so that's why I'm saying you're right. I think you're insightful on this, actually. So, so Nate, you win. All okay. right. You, you, you get, yes. yes. Nate, Nate's got one that's right. And, the, and what I'm also saying, though, is I think it's also the reason why we need to equip people to share the gospel in the marketplace to share the gospel when they're in their neighborhoods. And and because I, I really believe that we've got to move away from just all of our evangelizing being outreach or, excuse me, being event-oriented. Okay. It needs to happen just in the midst of our lives. Right. And that's why people need to, So, in other words— But I'm talking about event But I know you're about event things. Yeah. I know. And, and so for the events, I agree, we need to find ways to, to have conversations that— mm. That allow people to come in and engage with us on a on, on a level that maybe is a little on a more quote unquote kind of educated, you know, platform. Because I think I think what I'm thinking about is if all of your outreach programs or whatever are towards v- like needy, obviously needy people, then that's going to be all your literature and mm-hmm. all your website mm-hmm. and everything that happens at the church. And because no one sees the me talking to you about Jesus at work. Right. Sure. <laughs> you know? And so the, sure. the whole look of church is it's just for broken people. Yeah. And, and I actually know churches whose stated goal is to reach people that are middle class and higher and educated. Okay. Like that is their, that's who sits in their, in their chairs or their pews on Sunday morning. Mm. And that is, so that is, you know, um, you know, I know a church that's in the, you know, uh, city right near us that, uh, that is their stated, like their pastor will tell you that's their stated goal. Okay. And that's all they do. Now they do it to the exclusion of the other. Oh. Yeah. And so they've kind of gone the other way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, um, I mean, in other words, they may well, do. They, they don't need to go the other way until the other churches start going the other way. <laughs> start going their <laughs> way. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, and but that is their stated goal to reach that demographic you're talking about. Okay. So along with that same thing during churches, and this has been like the same in every church I've ever been to. All prayer requests are for sicknesses, essentially. Yep. For the oldest people there or the youngest people there who aren't supposed to be, you know. Sure, shouldn't be sick. Shouldn't be sick. And so why don't we ever just pray for the the girl that needs a promotion during church? And it's always old lady stubbed her toe. Five minutes of silence. <laughs> yeah. Actually, to be honest with you, here's where you're right again. Um, I read this question earlier when I was reading over the questions, and I was like, man, as a pastor, I felt rebuked for it. Really? So, yeah. Yes. I was like, man, this is really insightful. We should be we should be doing what Nate is saying. Why are we not doing this? Um, because I agree with you. I think we should be praying for people to not just be well, 
but we should be praying for people to, like what you said, to have promotions um, and uh, to receive raises, right? I mean, all uh, to you know to to get not just a job, but a better job, and um, I think that those things should should happen. Um, and so, yeah, rebuke received, and uh, maybe maybe you'll see me change it up this Sunday morning. I think I think you said this a couple of weeks ago or something, but the entire like like twenty five to 50-year-old group of church members have very little things to do and get very little acknowledgement as people, except when they tithe, because <laughs> they're the ones that tithe, tithe the most. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if that's true or not, but it kind of feels like that. Yeah, I mean, outside of them being the, the bulk of the volunteer base as well. Right. Um, but I, but Who aren't homeless. Right. Or in wheelchairs. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and so... Or I, blind or deaf. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got, yeah, they're yeah. not they're not ever singled out or right, right or recognized, maybe is a better mm. phrase. Um, I think if word. you keep going this direction, the whole church is going to be wheelchair ramps. You're going to have to have Braille Bibles. You're going to have speech to text on screen in front of the church. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, maybe we do need some of those services <laughs> as well. Um, but I know but that's I, not going to be all of church, right? But, yeah, but I, no, but I hear you, and I no, I agree with you. I think that for that demographic you're talking about, you know, outside of a you know uh, a sickness like cancer coming in or something like that, um, it, it's a pretty. Uh, we're not talking about people. We're not talking about them a lot on right. a Sunday morning, um, and and I agree with you. We we should be, you know, um, you know, why aren't we doing the prayer request not only for promotions or for a better job, but you know, how many ever how many people ever put in a prayer request of hey, I got fired from my job? Right. People don't even put it in because yeah. they know nobody cares. Right. And when you bring it up, it's like, why are you bringing that up? Yeah. Yeah. Like you're fine. Shut <laughs> up. Yeah. So actually, my mom has cancer. Right. And you're worried about few extra dollars. Right. Yeah. And no, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and and we can get into these things of you know kind of relative issues, but no, but you're right. It's these things are important for people, and so um, I agree with you. I okay. I think something's got to change. Okay. So in the end, after thinking about this, I feel like it leaves non-broken, non-Christians to feel like they just don't need Jesus because it's not for them, obviously. Mm -hmm. Because no one... Because I'm not the people that they go after. So what would you say to that? Yeah, so so if I'm, if I'm the non-Christian coming in, looking at it from the outside out, in, yeah. and saying, why in the world... Would church ever matter to me? Right. Yeah, I mean, because you would just go, "Oh, this isn't for me. This is for yeah." I for mean, old people with problems, right? And especially if I and, es and especially if I go into the church service, right? And not only are they praying for those people, those, but then the messages are catered mm -hmm. for more self help type things, mm -hmm. and 
you know, well, you're broken or you need a breakthrough or you need a right. this or you need that. And, and I didn't even think about that. You did. Yeah. And you're just <laughs> sitting there going, nah, I'm good. Like, yeah. I like my job, like my wife. Yeah. I'm around family. Kids are healthy. Um, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, Guess I don't need this. Right. And so I think if the church is always being like, if it's constantly talking about what you need or what you're lacking, I don't know if that's going to connect mm. with that person. And that is why I would go back to, we have to talk about actually what you were created for and for greater purposes and eternal things and, you know, image of God and your identity. I think all of those things are much more relatable to an individual who's a non-Christian coming in or from a non-Christian looking at it from the outside in. I think we've got to speak to where they are at on a relatable level as well and not just speak to the ones that are quote-unquote in need of something, whether that's in need physically, emotionally, mentally, right? But actually beyond that, we've got to speak to people that don't feel this huge sense of need. So why should I be here? And we have, we do have need to let them know why. Okay. And what about the people who pick up on the fact that they're only being talked to about this because they have some visible physical need? What would you say to them? Wow. Yeah. If, one feels that they're being talked to only because of a physical need about Jesus, about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Because of a physical need, man, they would, they would feel really cheap and wouldn't they, you know, um, uh, there, I heard just, this was just yesterday. I uh, know someone that has, um, been attending a church and they've, they've had a lot of need, you know, in their life. And as need has kind of lessened, um, they have found that they go to church, the same church, and no one ever talks to them anymore. Hmm. And so they have decided to leave that church because no one ever talks to them. Because all that they were was a need, right, okay. to be met. And they were never seen as the person. And that's what I was talking about from like really early in this episode. We've got to see people as image bearers of God. Mm -hmm. We have to see them and get God's heart for them. Um, and, and so I, I am afraid that we can reduce people down to just the people who are being fixed or the people that just need, you know, it's like, it's like you're just a problem to be solved, mm -hmm. but then a project. A pro yeah. Or a project. That's a great a way. Jesus of, project. I think that's a great way of phrasing it. Um, and then once the project is complete, right. All right. See ya. You know, um, because there's no, there's not been a thought of after of what happens when they're actually well. Mm. What happens when they're actually not in need? What happens when they actually have their own place or whatever it may be? Um, and and I, I just, yeah, my heart goes out for those people. Um, I, I, yeah, I would, I would feel if, so if I'm in that position like this other person was who decided to leave their church, that's the way I would feel too. I would go, you don't care for me. You cared to help me when I offered you some sense of feeling rewarded by your helping of me, but now nah, I'm out. If you're not going to really invite me in 
you know, to be part of the church family or, you know, but rather I'm just going to always kind of be an outsider looking in. Um, so yeah, I would, I would feel manipulated. And what should they do at that point? One, you may have to be like this other person to find in our church that doesn't see you that way. Um, and that's sad to say, but that's just maybe the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, yeah, and I guess whether it's finding their church or find other people in that church, but you got to find a place that actually values you for who you are. And if they can't do that in that particular local church, go find their local church. Because you you should be able to be valued for who you are, regardless of your regardless of your season of life or what you've been through in your past. Well, this has been the one that heard this podcast. Um, I think I'm going to go crash my car, break my own legs, burn my house down because <laughs> you just want some sympathy, don't you? I want people to talk to me. <laughs> I get I get asked if I know Jesus 10 times more than I do right now. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> yeah. You can find the podcast on everywhere that they have podcasts on podcast websites for podcasts. Also on YouTube and Rumble. You can follow updates on the podcast at When I Heard This Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Patreon, $5. Click all the buttons around the things. Like, subscribe, share, follow, download, rumble button, comment. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Nate Robinsoff, and you can follow Joseph on Instagram at... Rev Joe T. This has been the one I heard this podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.